Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The following program is brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio. Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The following program is brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio. Showed up at the radio station, too. We kind of stared at each other for a while, but then I, I won the arm wrestling contest, and, and um, <laughs> I wouldn't believe that either. But uh, the other part was true, so there was a little bit of a mix-up. But um, he uh, just a, a little bit of a lead-in tonight. He asked me to do this uh, program. And um, it's it's going to be loosely based on a message that was uh, preached by uh, by Larry Booker. Now, if you're not aware, what we really have going on here is sort of two listening audiences. Uh, for over a decade, we've really uh, just you know the, the KDIX. It's a local station. We were you know we're in rural Southwest North Dakota, and so you know. We have a little bit of a, of a radius here, but it's it's the only people that would hear KDIX was the um, the local North Dakotans. And then we got it online, and then we expanded our audience a little bit there. And then uh, in the recent past, we've um, we've been picked up by the Holy Ghost Radio uh, online. Uh, it's an app, online radio streaming service, and so really. Um, you know, so our main audience is going to be always the local North Dakota area. Um, you know, we're, we're looking for the people that uh, that are listening that love God. We're looking for the people who may be flipping through the channel that, that you know, know a little bit about God, but maybe want to know more about him. We're looking for the people who, who don't want anything to do with God, but they just want to hear someone who they disagree with so they can yell at the radio. We want, you know, those are our, our main uh, focus. And so many of, of, of those people, if I say the, the name Larry Booker, that's not going to mean much to you. But uh, for the Holy Ghost Radio uh, listeners, I, I believe he's got his own channel or he's got some. I mean, everyone knows uh, Brother Booker. So I will not be preaching his whole message. But some time ago, some time ago, he preached a message called Barbarism in the 21st Century barbarism in the 21st century and he brought out uh, many many interesting points and um, I'm gonna hit on some of those points tonight and I'm gonna you know a lot of it I'm not gonna be able to preach like like Larry Booker uh, if you haven't heard him preach uh, you can look him up he's he's online he's uh, you know YouTube he's uh, I don't all the places you can probably find him just type in Larry Booker um, I want to say hello to Carl's listening tonight, and I did not know that he was married. Well, congratulations, Carl. I don't know how long ago that was, but uh, that's awesome. 
And so a lot of different um, people texting me. They just have my secret phone number that we're not giving out tonight. So um, they're, they're part of a, a special club. But anyway, uh, barbarism in the 21st century. Uh, and so we're, we're, we're really talking about. So there's two types of people who are going to agree with the main conclusion that I'm, I'm going to come to at the end of this broadcast. There's two different types of people. And I'm going to tell you who those two types of people are at the end of the show. And then you can decide for yourself where you fall into that. But looking back in history and, and looking at the culture of, of Rome, the, the, the country of Rome, the, uh, the nation of Rome, I should say, Rome was massively influential in terms of language and culture, uh, we get a lot of uh, of our modern words from Rome. We get a lot, you know, a lot of their technology, a lot of their 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 thought processes, how they, you know, their philosophies uh, carries over uh, today. And in our Western culture, we we very much look towards Rome uh, as being a, a, a pinnacle of culture. Now, conversely, the barbarians. Uh, the Visigoths, specifically of that time, they were Germanic people from the north. These were these were my people. <laughs> these were uh, not cultured. Uh, they 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 had uh, comparatively uh, fewer words than the Romans. They had uh, certainly not the level of, of culture and innovation of the Romans. And and yet, at about four hundred and ten. Uh, um, uh, A.D., they overthrew the Roman culture. And that, around that time, marked the period of the Dark Ages. Uh, listen to some um, uh, historical, uh, you probably get these things in the mail, the great courses. Maybe there's advertisements for them. You can get college courses, and they're on you know CD or, I suppose, DVD. Well, I had some CDs of, uh, of uh, you know, some history classes, and there was a professor, Philip Dadler, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Um, uh, I think he's somewhat famous in academic circles, and he talked about you know, a lot of information on that, he, that he gave out, but one of the things that always stuck out to me was that the Romans uh, spoke Latin, which is a very uh, mellifluous, you know, very cultured, it's, it's a very um, you know, beautiful-sounding language. Well, to uh, the 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 way that the barbarians got their name was it was a, a mockery by the Romans. The Romans would would had dealings with these barbarians and trade and whatnot, or in fighting different things, and and so to the Roman ear, the barbarian language sounded like bar 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 bar. So so they came up with the moniker barbarians as sort of a, a mocking uh, name, according to this professor Philip Dadler. I'm going to have Seth just uh, move up my volume just a little bit. The, um, so the Dark Ages were a, a time of, of low literacy, um, uh, low language. Of course, the Romans were very literate. Uh, when the barbarians sacked them and destroyed them, it threw the, the region into a time where no one was reading. Um, there was just, a, you know, people just had several hundred words maximum. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to, to sort of map the uh, fall of Rome with uh, with what we're seeing today in terms of low word count, low attention. I mean, just to diverge a, a little bit here or, or um, digress a little bit, you know, I've um, I've read in many places, and I've, I've fought against this, but I've just seen too many studies on this where that today people across the globe have, have just incredibly low attention spans. 
um, you know, con- uh, when when compared to just even you know several decades ago, or you know actually several hundred years ago, people used to have you know an eight hour attention span, something like that, and now it's just a few minutes. And they've they've done different studies on this, and and um, the other thing that I've noticed, and and I and I and I think that this is just seems widespread, is this complete lack of critical thinking ability. I'll give you an example. When you talk to people about some of these major issues of our day, if they disagree with your, with you know your your premise or your philosophy, uh, people think that they can just say the word science like it's some kind of magical talisman. And if you challenge them, they're a science denier. Like you know you 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 tell, I mean on anything you would, you would just say you know you kind of you know you bring up some facts and they say well science science says you're wrong. They can't explain it. They don't understand it. They're quoting, you know, a reporter maybe who who doesn't understand it. By the way, in case you didn't know, even the science reporters. So they've got reporters that just you know report on you know uh, um, uh, sports. They've got you know on pop culture. They've got science reporters. Uh, even the science reporters, a lot of times, well, sometimes they'll have a science degree, like a four year or even a two year, but a lot of times they don't understand what they're talking about. And if, and if you ever know anything uh, about the topic that they're reporting on, sometimes it's painfully obvious that they don't know what they're talking about. But yet they can just, without any kind of critical thinking, they'll just say, well, it's science. It's settled. And they have no idea. They have no idea. Uh, it reminds me of Romans one twenty-two, Romans chapter 1, verse 22. It says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Now, that's really a topic for for a different show but i just i guess i want to kind of stay on this a, a little bit you know there is a lot on the line when it comes to peer reviewed research if you think that it's some 100% reliable process you really do not know the whole picture again this is kind of not sort of on a topic sort of not but i just want to point out to you that the experts in any given field they have a, a they very much have a vested interest in pushing whatever theory uh, they're pushing in terms of money uh, from grants or from the university, in terms of tenure, I mean, their job is on the line a lot of time, uh, fame enters into it, uh, and pressure to conform. I know a little bit about this. I did get my, my doctorate in psychological science, uh, which is not a hard science, uh, but it's uh, from, from the University of New Hampshire. And uh, you know, published a paper, and of course worked on on several research projects. But y- you, if you find contradictory results to whatever the main theory or the main given thing that they, everyone agrees on, you will either, oftentimes, you will either just bury it. You're not even going to put it out there because you know you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to be looked at like an idiot. You know, you know that it won't be accepted. Or if you do try to push it through. It's just not going to get published. If you know about the emperor in his in his new clothes, you know that that story, that parable. It really is much of the time uh, that played out in the scientific community. Um, anyway, I, I digress there. 
the other issues with the Dark Ages, and we're going to get to the whole, the main thrust of uh, tonight's topic, and 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 one of the main points, or if not the main point, of Brother Booker's uh, message, is that you know in the Dark Ages you had these pockets of small villages, and in these villages, you, you know you'd have just a couple hundred people who they would spend their entire lives from birth to death, and they would only meet these several hundred people. Again, very low word count. They they only had they only needed a few words to communicate with each other. Um, they, had, they had no literacy. Um, they they had a high chance of death, of course, from disease at that time, but also from violence from others. Uh, if they would ever wander out of their outside their village to you know travel somewhere to make some kind of a trade, um, there was a high chance that they could be um, be set upon by robbers and whatnot and killed. Um, but one of the hallmarks in the in the dark ages was that there were no children uh, when when brother booker mentioned that that's a direct quote from him i thought and that might that perked my ears up there were no children there were little people but they were not allowed to be little children as we think of them today you know they were they, as as soon as they got out of the baby stage they were essentially treated like little people in the sense that they were they they would would go to the same jobs they would hear the same stories they would repeat the same stories they saw everything that went on in these little villages they were exposed to um i should say at the outset tonight if you do have children listening we're going to be talking about some some uh, pretty heavy things some things that might not be uh, real appropriate obviously i'm going to be you know not going into using vulgar terms whatsoever but we're going to be acknowledging um the state of our of our country the state of what's going on in the media um and so there's um you know if just just to be i'm just going to give you just a warning on that we're going to be as as um g-rated as possible but we're, what we're talking about here is um is not that and so in these villages just to you know you get the picture where everyone slept in the same room one room uh, uh house hovel everyone was in the same you know straw bed infested with rats um and and all the kids the parents are all in the same bed so if 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 mom and dad were together that night everybody knew about it and everything was very very out in the open and today the um the the tie in here is that today more and more children are not allowed to be children which is actually kind of ironic because we're pushing adulthood out further and further out i mean it's now it's like people are close to to like the, their 30s before they start acting like adults but from a 2004 study now the thing about studies you typically want to go with the 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 current you know the most current but it's interesting because you know my studies are you know 2004 doesn't does not seem like a long time to me but you know it, it's over a decade now and the thing about this is you know I've got numbers back then it didn't get better it did not get better in 2004 there's a study that says that the average U.S. child sees 15,000 sexual references a year. This is from uh, Collins uh, and others reported this. It was called Watching 
The title of it is called Watching Sex on Television Predicts Adolescent Initiation of Sexual Behavior. And this was in Pediatrics, Volume 114. So 15,000 references a year. In a national survey of 1,700-plus teens, almost 1,800, those who had watched more of this adult content, I'm, I'm really censoring myself here. I, I mean, I'm, I want to use euphemisms like adult instead of sexual and, and all this stuff. But those who watch more adult content were more likely to become in become involved in that type of activity. And this is what's interesting. This finding held true even after taking into account other factors that can influence whether a teen engages in these types of activities, uh, such as age. So there's there's a lot because you could say, well, it's not the TV; it's the fact that they had a low education level, or it's their mental health, and it's their parents. It's it's all this stuff. Yes. All of those things have a factor. But when you statistically control for those things and you say, okay, these all have a factor, if we hold all these things constant, what what is left? What is the TV predicting? And so they held constant things like age. Of course, the older the teenagers are, the more likely they are, they are to engage in sexual activity. We understand that. When that's held constant, when mental health is held constant, this is still true. The more TV they watched, the more likely they were to, be, to engage in these behaviors. The other incredibly interesting thing about this is that when they were looking at exposure to programs that only talk about sex, they don't show it, they just talk about it, had the same risks as programs that actually showed it. Nothing is hidden from our children. Um, I mean, I, I remember you know, learning a lot on the playground. I remember learning a lot on the playground. Uh, and and you know I'm not proud of it, but I probably taught a lot of, on the playground as well. Different things that I had, had stumbled across, and then you you share these with people. But you know, from just young young ages, far too young, children know, and they see, and they understand. And Pastor Simons brings up the point, and I I think there's a lot to this. But you know, if if two adults commit a an intimate act in front of a child, that's a crime. They can be prosecuted for that. But if a child watches them in a movie, then all of a sudden that's fine. If a, and if an adult says, oh, here, you can watch this movie, and I'm not even talking about an X-rated movie. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, you know R-rated or whatever. I mean, if that apparently that's not going to be a crime. And I think that's very strange. We're going to uh, go to our, our, our first and possibly only song. I've got a lot of research to go into. I think, um, I think we're going to start getting into the interesting stuff because what I've got to share with you is not just scientific you know, research on it. It's not just uh, uh, religious opinion on it. We are going to do- delve into what the producers of media have to say, the, the directors, the actors – from the the proverbial horse's mouth, what they are trying to to actively do, consciously do, to shape our society. And we're going to get back to that right after this song.
All right, and we're back with the Tell It Like It Is radio show. I am standing in, sitting in for Pastor Simons. And as we said earlier, there was a little bit of a uh, mix-up. He forgot that he'd asked me to do it tonight. So uh, he let me, um, after the, 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 the wrestling contest, I won, and so I, I'm here. And uh, All right, talking about uh, our children tonight, talking about influences, and I'm really, I'm, I'm just trying to... I'm trying to give you some information here. You make up your own mind. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that a, a large portion of our, my listening audience is um, is is perhaps not going to think that that their you know media is all that bad. Or maybe you think that you can control the part that you um, do uh, view, and and you know possibly you can. Um, the um, I, I just if you as long as you just keep an open mind and let's let's listen to or let's hear what what the the people producing this have to say. Uh, there's a, a a political commentator. His name is Ben Shapiro. He's a writer. He's a um, Harvard Law uh, graduate, and um, he. One of his books that he wrote was called Propaganda. This is a fascinating book. Uh, fair warning, if you get this book, he quotes a lot of these uh, Hollywood producers, actors, you know, these types of things. They do not always have the cleanest language. Um, but it is a, a nonfiction book. It's a, it's a research book. Um, and so the, the, you know, it is, just, it is what it is. And so this Ben Shapiro went quote, undercover, unquote, uh, really what it was was they, you know, he had, his father is in the um, the um, kind of the Broadway show business. He's had several cousins in the movie business. Uh, he's a, a Jewish Harvard Law graduate, and so they just assume that, you know, Harvard does not make conservatives, uh, and that's by Ben Shapiro's admission as well. It's, it's very, they're very liberal. when they, It's like a liberal factory there uh, is how he puts it. Um, but you know, he spoke to these people, and they just they just automatically assumed that he was on their side. He was one of them, and his whole point was, "I'm gonna just, you know, he he does commentary, but I'm gonna present what they what their thoughts are in terms of you know why they make what they make, you know what the goal is, what their what their um, their ultimate vision for society is." And so he speaks with executives, actors, producers. This is a 2011 book. And it turns out that they do have a specific agenda. It is not just about making money. And in fact, they will lose money if they have to, to a certain point, uh, to get their ideology out there. He has quotes on it. And more than quotes, he, he actually goes into the, um, the, the economics of it and, and, and the, the, Sort of, you know, starting all the way back from, I believe, the 1920s till now and, and showing how and why, uh, how it even would make sense for, for, um, Hollywood companies to make like flop after flop and still, you know, and, and, and continue to do so. Because what, you know, I'll just digress here, uh, just uh, briefly. They know that if they want to make money, they make a, a 100% you know, they would say bland, family-friendly film that will rake in millions. It always has, 
uh, and it might not always will, but it, it always has. I mean, up to this point, even the, the biggest blockbusters are the family. But slowly over the years, they've been, and not so slowly recently, in my opinion, um, they've been interjecting uh, more and more adult content, um, uh, you know, some would say perverse content. And um, it's, it's because they want to shape society to believe a certain way. And it is working. It is working. It's absolutely working. If you are the type of person who wonders how things got to where they are in 2016, I'll tell you how you watched it happen. Literally, you watched it happen. If you are a TV watcher, if you're a movie watcher, uh, you know, you watched this progression. Page 328 of his book, Propaganda, written by Ben Shapiro in 2011. Ann Sweeney, who at the time was the president of Disney ABC Television Group. She's no longer with them. I'm not sure exactly where she is now. But she said, the best way, this is a quote from her, the best way to resonate with your audience is to be authentic. She said, you're only authentic if you're holding up a mirror to your audience and saying, I see you. So this is her. This is the argument that she's making. So the argument, a lot of times from from people who are, uh, like this kind of programming, who are um, you know on this side of the social aisle, they will say, "Well, we're just showing reality. We're just showing it. We're telling it how it is. This is the reality. Yeah, it's the reality that you designed. It's it's the reality that they created. This was not the reality. I mean, modern television, modern media. I have to go by." The research that, that Ben Shapiro does, because I have not had a television um, since about 99, 2000, somewhere in there. Uh, but I, you, you cannot live, you know, I have the internet. Um, you, you cannot live in this world. Of course, I have family that, that has televisions and movies. They, they tell me about all these things. You know, you see different things about them, uh, read, you know, read propaganda about it. So you, you I mean, to the extent that that you you know anyone can do research about this, and and really you would have to live in a cave to not know some of this stuff. But you know, again, you know the argument that well, this is just how life is now. Well, it's because they created it. It's they created it. Page three twenty eight through three twenty nine. Pat Gentile, who is the chairman of the Alliance for Family Entertainment, notice that word family, says that we want to maintain. A strong connection with our audience. I'd love for these shows to be Little House on the Prairie, but that isn't going to happen. Family programming is all about bringing families together to watch shows so that they can dialogue about these sensitive topics. So what sensitive topics are on family television, like ABC Family? Well, again, this is 2011. Maybe you, maybe it's gotten better in the last uh, uh, four or five years. I doubt it. But a show called Pretty Little Liars, and this is, again, if you have kids in the room, well, if you have TV, then they've already seen this, but Pretty Little Liars, show that features teen lesbians making out. Secret Life of the American Teenagers, pregnant teenager uh, considering abortion. Secret Life of the American Teenager, pregnant teenagers considering abortion. A show called Greek, about college students getting drunk, having sex, and constantly making fun of Christians and Christianity. Kyle XY, straight girls making out to protest anti-gay measures. And the list went on and I just, I pulled some of these from the, from the book. This is, this is family programming. So that brings up the question, what exactly is a family these days? 
Well, I'm glad you asked. Paul Lee, president of ABC Family, he says, When we came in, one of the key things we wanted to achieve was to reclaim that word family for what it really means and real families across America. Okay, let me just pause right there and just say this to Paul Lee. You don't need to reclaim the definition of family. Family is what it always means. All right, this is the problem with uh, this type of thinking. Like, they, if you don't think that they want to reclaim and rename and and change uh, the definition of the most basic fundamental things, so that now all of a sudden anyone who would take a moral, uh, uh, in, in my case, a Christian stance, is looked at as just a complete loon, uh, a bigot, uh, 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 you name it, phobe. Um, this is their goal. This is what they want to do. They want they want to reclaim, uh, you know, what family means. They want to hit the basic unit uh, of our society. And so he says, uh, wants to reclaim what family really means for fam- real families across America. Continues and says, and when you talk to fourteen to twenty eight year olds, one of my shocking realizations early on, unlike my generation who are not talking to their parents at all. That's part of the problem, by the way. This is a generation that really is really interested in and passionate about families. But they define families in a very, very different way. It is not Ozzie and Harriet, two parents, two and a half kids living in a farmhouse family. Teenagers define family as, you know, it's my stepmom, it's my friend Julie, and it's my dog, and it's my best friend. And... You know, again, did you did you catch the important issue here? I mean, he says it. His generation was disconnected from the family, and and when that happens, when you have a whole generation of people who have no concept of what a family should be like, no concept of what uh, uh, godly parenting is, other than something to be mocked and, and excoriated on on television and movies. They have no concept of these things. Then, sure, it makes perfect sense that you view your dog as your dad. You know, I mean, that's that's where it leads. And the funny thing is, is that if 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 I would have just led with that and said, "Well, we're going to get to the point where people think their dog is their dad," I mean, there are going to be plenty of people that are going to be like, "This guy's a you know, he's a nutbag." I mean, he's just he's a uh, you know, it's hyperbolic. You know, what am I, am I listening to Rush Limbaugh here? What's going on? But this is the the thought of these people. And I'm going to take them at their word. I'm going to take them at their word. They know what they're talking about. Um, and this is a problem. It's a problem when I mean, we, have, we have zero guidance. I and mean, you want to talk about, you know, I, am not, I don't want to get too political here or, or even um, too, too topical on other issues. But, I mean, our... Our cities, especially our inner cities, are on fire right now. I mean, if you haven't paid attention, I mean, across our, our country, there is just there is mayhem, um, there is anguish, hatred, and there are many people. President Obama, actually, surprisingly to me, identified one of the major issues is single parent families. The dad's not there. And he said this. Uh, I give him a lot of credit for that. Um, 
you know, men like Thomas Sowell, I mean, intellectuals like Thomas Sowell, uh, uh, the black professor at Stanford. Why do I say black? Is because he's saying things um, that that uh, people have said are, are racist things, uh, saying things about uh, about his his people that you know we have to look at an issue. And by the way, and and it's true. For if it's true for one race, it's true for all races. All right, there's no genetic difference as far as one's superior to to the other. If you believe that, uh, you are 100% wrong. I will say science it proves you wrong there. I mean, I'm, I, and we can go into that. Um, uh, there's a lot of research on that, but uh, it has nothing to do with the genetics of it. It has everything to do with the fact that any race, you remove, you destroy the family. Uh, and and not nice things happen, folks. So we are still somewhat on the tip of the iceberg with uh, with concerns to uh, behaviors that the media is trying to normalize and actively push. I'll say it again: the the media is trying to normalize some certain behaviors, and not only normalize them, but actively push them. For decades, it's been a common criticism of religious people, uh, or, or a common criticism, is that we are being just ridiculous when we would warn about uh, things like that, that, that the acceptance of the sin of homosexual acts uh, is just the beginning. We would say, hey, if we start accepting this as a society, this is just the beginning. It's an opening to things like incest. It's an opening things to, to things like pedophilia, bestiality. It is... Um, not that you care, but bestiality, not bestiality. It's it's bestiality, anyway. Um, all all of these things, and and of course, I mean, just just completely mocked. Uh, I'm old enough to remember uh, the John Stewart show uh, on the Daily Show. John Stewart, if you're not aware, he did a he's a comedian. He does a Daily Show in the '90s. Um, this is before I, I really I didn't have in the 90, 1996 when the show started. I had nothing to do with God at that point. I really did not have a relationship with God. I didn't know anything about the Bible, so. I remember John Stewart at the time uh, would would mock in only the way that John Stewart can, if you know anything about him, would mock the religious right on this homosexual issue. I mean, you know, like sure it'll lead to bestiality, bestiality, pedophilia. I mean, just how ridiculous! And then we have the future, and oh, what a difference a decade can make. An article in uh, a publication called The Trumpet in 2015 says this, and I quote, Today's homosexual special interest juggernaut started as a small movement. Now, there is another small movement that is growing stronger, a movement that wants to extend the same kind of morality is genetic argument to a new group of people, and that group of people is pedophiles. Again, if you think it's ridiculous, it's right here. It is right here. Salon is a popular uh, far-left uh, online publication, Salon. In 2015, there was an article um, where a pedophile wrote about how he wasn't a monster. You know, I'm a pedophile. I, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a human being. I'm a loving person just like you. I'm not a monster. Look, this this is really this is about intellectual honesty. Okay, you can be pro homosexual if you want. You can be pro pedophile. You can be pro whatever, but don't laugh and say that it is ridiculous to compare the issues. 
Okay, there there are some people, there, there are many people who compare the civil rights movement to the LGBTQAAIP movement. Yes, those letters exist. I believe I got them all right. And they'll and those same people will go off the rails when you try to make comparisons to homosexuality and pedophiles or and you know incestuous relationships or whatever. But many of the same arguments. And if you don't listen to anything else that I say, well, you should you should listen to the, the media part because really, there's I don't know I don't know what some people are doing watching that stuff. But uh, unless you don't care, unless you're fine with it, then that's fine. But many of the same arguments made to support homosexuality are being used to support pedophilia. I'll give you six of them. Number one, they're now saying pedophilia is innate and immutable. Okay, You're born this way, and you cannot change. Does that sound familiar? Of course it does. That's, that's what they're saying about pedophilia now. It's innate and immutable. You were born this way. You cannot change. Number two, pedophilia is richly attested to in many different cultures throughout history. This is true. Same thing with homosexual homosexuality. Uh, one of the major religions of this world, their founder, had a, not you know married a nine-year-old, consummated the relationship a couple of years later. That would be considered pedophilia. I'm not going to name it. I don't want death threats. Uh, we're going through a lot of that in our country now. You could probably fill in the dots, connect the dots. In fact, child prostitution was legal in places like London up until the end of the 20, last 20th century, just a, just a few decades ago. And it was shut down not because of moral outrage of pedophilia, but because of the horrible working conditions of the children. And so all throughout cultures, throughout times, you know, our, our, you know, our English, you know, British relatives, you know, are, you know, we're very similar in, in, in culture, you know, yes, pedophilia was, is around. That's, that's argument number two. So, you know, they would say that it's okay because these are, these are things that happen. Argument number three, pedophilia should not be classified as a mental disorder since it, A, does not cause distress to the, to the pedophile to have these desires, and since the pedophile can function as a normal contributing member of society. And they would say, really, if there was distress, it's because it's just like the transgender issue. Uh, the reason why they're not happy being trans is because people don't accept them. So in other words, pedophilia, uh, ped- the pedophile would um, only feel you know stress because of how society treats them, but in and of itself it would not cause stress. That's one of the arguments, the same argument that they made for homosexuality. Number four, many of the illustrious homosexuals of the past were actually pedophiles. That's an argument. And of course, on the flip side, they would, you know, the, the previous argument was, well, many famous people that you thought were straight were actually homosexuals, and we can prove that from documents and blah, blah, blah. Number five, there's six of these here. Number five, people are against intergenerational intimacy, in other words, pedophilia, because of uh, antiquated social standards and puritanical sexual phobias. It's those puritanical, backward Christian religious types. And they're just not forward-thinking. This is the 21st century, after all. Finally, number six, this is all about love and equality and liberation. That's the argument that they're pushing. Uh, those are the arguments that they're pushing for pedophilia today. It starts off small, and it and very rapidly becomes, uh, in, in, as they say of the homosexual movement, uh, a juggernaut. One common argument against comparing these two is that 
Well, homosexuality is two, between two consenting adults, so it's ridiculous to compare the two. All right, fine. If that's really your argument, then what about incest? I, again, I, I mean, I warned you. I, I'm trying not trying to be over the top, vul, you know, with with vulgarity. Um, I, I'm really not. This is what is happening right now today, and it's rampant. This uh, the 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 um, topic of incest has been in the news a couple different times within the last few months, just that I've seen, and I haven't even you know dug deep to research this. This has just been on the main Yahoo webpage. You know, every time I log into my computer for my email, that pops up. Uh, the most recent one, I believe, was in a, was between a mother and her adult son in New Mexico. So, you know, so they say, well, you know, incest is bad because there's laws against this uh, due to, um, you know, offspring reasons, you know, the, with genetic uh, issues with their with their offspring. Okay, so what about um, gay incestuous, you know, incestuous relationships? Why would you say uh, a father and a son can't be together, or a mother and a daughter? What about when one or more of them are sterile? See, when you make consent the litmus test for sexual morality, you, you destroy any concept of moral sexuality. And then we're literally just like animals mating with anyone, well, figuratively, <laughs> or legitimately, just like animals mating with anyone or anything that makes us feel good, and there are no deeper consequences. There is an alternative perspective to this, and that is that sex and sexuality is from God that we were made in his image, and he does, in fact, get to say what is allowed and what is not allowed. You know, we are going to go to one more song here before we we um, get to the last segment of this show. We've got about 15 minutes or so left, uh, and I want to bring up just a couple more points. But I, again, I, I my... This is not a, this has never been, and it really, we do not want it to be just some kind of a weird, you know, shock radio where we're talking every day, you know, all the time about, every Sunday night about, you know, these, these CD topics. Um, but I think, you know, and I'm going to talk about the two people, the two groups of people who are going to agree with this. Um, uh, my, my main point about the, the media, the influence that the media has, the, um, the, um, agenda that it has to redefine the family to to push uh, an idea an ideal of society um, that is very very different from uh, the judeo-christian ideal and i'm gonna say that you would be doing yourself a favor you would be doing your your family a favor if you uh, cut that off as far as uh, television, uh, movies, media. Uh, again, it doesn't even have to be. I don't want to give this away. All right, we'll we'll come back right after this song. Oh, 
tell them what you want. Call them up and tell them what you want. Tell it like it is. Radio show, talking a little bit about the um, the influence of our um, media. I think I'm just going to title this "Barbarism," just to kind of play off of um, Brother Booker's "Barbarism in the 21st Century." I would recommend listening to that preaching. He is a very, very um, gifted preacher. Uh, I really, really enjoy uh, his uh, messages. And um, just really, um, I actually got a chance to meet him. Actually, I got to meet a man who um, 
goes to his church. And when I found out that he went to Brother Booker's church before I ever met Brother Booker, I was like shaking his hand. I kind of I was like, this is the hand that shook the hand of Brother Booker. I felt blessed to just even, um, you know, that's kind of kidding, kind of not though, because he's really he's. I've heard a lot of his uh, messages, and he's just a tremendous man of God. He's got a great, great story about how he came to the Lord. You know, um, again, all of these these things, these you know, of course, homosexuality is already we're already there for that, but pedophilia will be. Uh, and is now. Um, incest will be. Uh, um, animals will be. And, and really, it will be all under the guise of the media is going to push this stuff. It's going to start with your kids, and it will be based on not judging others. It will be based on not, quote, otherizing them. It will be based on not being bigoted. And the, the playbook on this is that... Um, these people, you know, whoever, you know, whatever the, the, the particular thing they're trying to push, you know, pedophiles or whatever, these people will be made to seem like the heroes. And they will be portrayed against a backdrop of really nasty hetero couples. Um, interestingly enough, um, this Ben Shapiro talked recently about, oh, there's a television show on, um, it's on the media or it's on the airwaves now. And, um, they had a, uh, transsexual person on there and they the way that they were pushing this particular thing was that the homosexual couple on this show was being mean to the transsexual person and it, I'm smirking because this is this whole thing is just, this is where we're at this is this is just complete uh, yeah well this is where we're at maybe you like it maybe you don't um, but but they but they they played off it they said well Essentially, you know, we're we're able to do this because homosexuality is now accepted, and so now we can make them uh, people who live that lifestyle uh, part of the, the the butt of the joke now. And so, you know, the the homosexual couple had, I think it was American Family, I think, or Modern Family is what it was. That's what the show was. I've never seen it, um, so I'm going off of what Ben Shapiro talked about on his uh, radio show that he does uh, recently. And so, um, you, you know, again, they they were. They were made, made out to be the bad guys, and the trans person was the was the hero uh, of the show. Um, and, and and this is this is the playbook. This is what they do um, in order for because we like the underdog, right? We root for the underdog, and we were we show the human side of these people. You know, the the guy who wrote the article in 2015, the the Salon article. You know, I'm not a monster. You know, maybe I'm I'm sexually attracted to children, but I'm not a monster, right? That's what he said. That's not what I said. <laughs> that could be taken out of, out of context. Um, but but that's you know when we when we feel when they when they humanize them you know when they, when they when they um, you know make us feel sorry for them well then we we of course we would accept it and that's and that's really um, how they do it now. I talked in the beginning about the two types of people who are going to agree with with what I have to say and. And this is, you know, traditionally, historically, um, this is the case. The people who do not have uh, television, they don't watch movies, they, they've kind of pl- unplugged from media, are, are typically the, the very religious and the highly intellectual. The very religious and the highly intellectual. So if you can decide which of those groups you want to fall into, 
I like to fall into both. I think you can do that. Um, some people would disagree with that, and uh, I don't think they're correct. Here are some of the people that don't have TV. One person, you might recognize this name, Philo Farnsworth. Raise your hand if you've heard of that name, Philo Farnsworth. He was the inventor of the television. And he is quoted from his son who wrote the, the book called The Boy Who Invented Television, his son Kent Farnsworth. Um, he, or I'm sorry, I don't know if Kent Farnsworth is his son, but he's the one that wrote this uh, book, somehow related to Philo. He said, there is nothing on it worthwhile, and we're not going to watch it in this household, and I don't want it in your intellectual diet. This is the inventor of the television. Who else doesn't have the tele- television? Marilyn Voss Savant. She's the she has a a, a column in, in um, I forget now what what the what that periodical was is, but she's the smartest person purportedly on the planet. She has an IQ of, of over 140, and just a brilliant brilliant person. Um, she does not watch television. Of course, this is just one example of many 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 intellectuals who do not uh, partake in this media. Um, Someone who I don't know if she's particularly religious and she doesn't strike me. At, well, I'm not going to say that. That's mean. Maybe she's very intelligent. But Madonna doesn't allow her children to have television. Maybe she does. I don't know. But in a USA Today article in 2005, she talked about how she does not allow her children to watch television. She said it's trash. So if Madonna – I mean, I just I, – let me let me just – Okay, apostolics, I'm talking to you right now. Uh, or, or people who, you know, you, you, you love God, you have a walk with God, you want to please God. Listen, Madonna, all right, let's, let's figure this out. If Madonna knows, I'm not, I'm not talking about the Madonna, the religious. No, I'm talking about Madonna, the, the, the singer, the pop star. If she says that, that television is trash, what are we doing? What are we doing? All right, this this should be a, a wake-up call. All right, the religious and the intellectual. All right, so this is a, a Bible program. I've got three minutes, according to, to Seth. Let's, let's do some Bible here. Judges chapter 16, starting in verse 23. This was pointed out to me by, um, this was in a, a camp meeting. Um, oh, what was his name? Tuttle, the young younger Tuttle. My, Matthew Tuttle preached this. Thank you, Brother Seth. Um, awesome message. He brought this out. I don't know if this was original with him, this idea. I've never seen it before. This is great. Judges 16.23. This is about Samson, if you're familiar with Samson. Then the lords of the Philistines, they had captured Samson. They plucked out his eyes. Uh, they shaved his head. Uh, his hair started to grow back. And now we're in verse 23. Of Judges 16. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God, and to rejoice. For they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. Verse 24. And when the people saw him, he was all beat up, bruised, his eyes were out. They praised their God, for they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy, and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. Uh, And notice... Uh, uh, verse 25 and it came to pass when their hearts were merry they said call for Samson that he may make us sport they're going to make fun of him and they called for Samson out of the prison house and he made them sport and they set him between the pillars notice 26 and Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand 
Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. And we know what happens. He, he, God gave him his strength back. He pushed those pillars over, killed thousands and thousands of, of Philistines, more than what he had killed before. And what was brought out to me was that the Philistines allowed this young child to lead about the most deadly to them thing on that earth, on the face of the earth for them, Samson. They just let him around, just let the child play with Samson. Okay, Samson killed that child along with everybody else. But and and what are we doing with the media? I'm not saying as an adult you can handle it. You are going to be influenced by it. I mean, again, if you like it, fine, that's fine. But if you if you're thinking that you don't like it and you, you you're going to be influenced by it, and our children are going to be influenced influenced by it. Okay, we're out of time. Thank you, Jesus, for this time. To together tonight, I pray God that you would just um, help us to just really understand what's going on, Lord, in our society with our media, Lord. And I just pray for everyone listening out there. It is not easy to cut the cord. It is not easy, Lord. But I know that if it's a if it's a worthwhile thing, if it's something that you um, if you're into, or you're behind this, God, that you can help uh, uh, us do that, Lord, and overcome some of these things. Thank you, folks. Uh, next Sunday, Pastor Simons will be back. He can straighten all this out. Thanks for listening. You are my life. You are my joy. Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com.
The preceding program was brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio. Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio too. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The preceding program was brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio.